0: WRKS Pickens Jackson.
2: Are you ready? Yes!
0: Now, live from the Whiskey 61 Lounge inside the Bank Plus Studio. You are listening to
1: Mississippi's number one sports talk show, The Out of Bounds Show with Bo Bow. Streaming
0: worldwide live on the Out of Bounds radio app and on your radio at ESPN 105.9. The Soul. Uh, we got a, a Captain Owls in Gulfport is an awesome place to eat lunch. Captain Owls in Gulfport. I have not been there. I, I may have to try that out. It says the uh, Royal Reds never miss. Okay. Out of bounds, 105.9 The Zone ESPN. Want to hear from you, your favorite lunch spot. Got a really nice giveaway around that. We'll pick a winner. We had a bunch of winners recently. That Masters flag compliments of Ben Nelson Golf and Outdoors. And then for Pet Day, we put together a heck of a a Tito's Vodka prize pack, along with some other goodies. That was awesome. And today is uh, something about make lunch count. So we decided to hear from you, your favorite lunch spot. It can be anywhere in the state of Mississippi. We had had a Handy Andy's. From Oxford, I've been there. And, of course, Two Brothers comes in. There were several. Uh, Crystal Grill, I've been there. You've been there. And there's some great, great spots to to land for lunch around the state. Most of them dives, which is a compliment.
2: Did you have a favorite cook spot in Startville, or Oxford when you were in college? A favorite lunch spot? Yes. What was it? And is it still there? Well, because like two brothers didn't exist. One of college. them moved. So when,
0: let me drop this real quick. Out of Bounds ESPN 105.9 The Zone brought to you by the amazing steaks at Kessler Prime and the Renaissance. Call for a long branch bourbon at Kessler Prime, KesslerPrime.com to make a reservation. Also call for a Patron premium tequila on the rocks with a with an orange wedge. Here we go. KesslerPrime.com. Two spots. Um, I reference them all the time. The Cotton District Grill was in the it district. W- it was, yes. Okay. It was a cool spot. We probably, you know, we talk about how great their food was, probably because it was a little bit of college there, right? Um, But, but really fun place, great place, all that cool bar. Had the whole horseshoe bar, kind of like uh, Amerigo and Ridgeland, but, yeah. but uh, bigger. Oh. And now it's, more downtown, mm-hmm. okay, uh, off Main Street. They went to a new building. All right, and then um, Proud Larry's oh, in Oxford. Yeah, I reference that all the time. I mean, I like Handy Andy's, but I. Nice. I also found another spot when I was leaving there after doing the remote at Bench and Kelly, right off the square. Um, I ended up hitting this this barbecue joint that you just walk up to and order. It's out. Uh, east, um, towards Tupelo, I guess. I yeah. mean, but it's not that far from the square. i maybe a mile or two or something. Have, but yeah, Proud Dairies really love uh, most
2: everything on their menu. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you ever been to Baton Rouge? Uh, you have, right? About ninety times. Okay. Have you ever? I, I'll I'll give you my two favorite spots when I was a freshman there. One is cliche, but it was really good. One is probably one you you may have been to, but I doubt it. Uh, I'm sure you've been to the Chimes. Yes. Yes, love the Chimes. They used to do, before they switched their cheese, their fried cheese balls, They their fried cheese balls used to be lava, and they were amazing. They switched the recipe. They weren't as good the last time I was there. Fried cheese balls? Yeah. The sec, they, instead of doing sticks, they would do like hush puppy size. Oh, I get it. Uh, but they were different. so good. Does yeah. that. Um, the second place, did you ever go to Louie's? In, in Baton Rouge, it's a it's a twenty four hour diner. Okay, no, it is. I don't think so. Fantastic.
0: Do I need to go? If I don't you're know in, if I'm gonna make if, it back to Baton. Rouge. I was Rouge. gonna
2: say if you were in Baton Rouge and you wanted a quicker meal that's not proof like it is, it's traditional diner stuff, but it's awesome. I mean, great like fried chicken and waffles, like great you know, all the normal diner type foods, but just at a high level. So, so good. And in college. You could go there and
0: smash. So I do think that we probably overrate a lot of our college food just because it's college. There's no doubt. It's a time in your life, you know, a little bit freer, a little bit less stress. Uh, You know, whether like you, especially wherever you were in the SEC, as far as fried cheese, Um, (laughs) you know, people really get into that. It's funny. And you don't eat as much fried cheese once you get. I mean, when you were 20, you could. Smash absolutely, fried cheese absolutely, and 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 drink buckets of beer, and you're with your friends, and it's a Thursday afternoon, and the sun shines out, and you know it's it's all good. It is all good, right? Yeah. So, um and you're hanging out with the people you want to hang out with.
2: Yeah, but Louis was cool because it was like a home. It was like a, a better version of a waffle house that was home style, and Louie was literally your chef. Like he cooked. It, but it was a um, island style kitchen in the middle of the building so you could watch him cook from everywhere in the building oh and that's ate. cool and it, the whole he was this gruff old white sure. dude, like it just louis and he just had been there forever and that was his point and like he was the only main chef and you had a couple old ladies that waited tables and like one other chef with him and it was a constant like event but it was fun it's one of those places like you said like you, you know think he made a getting. lot of money he stayed busy and they yeah. were open 24. I don't know how he stayed alive because he was in there well, and they were open 24 7. Those guys are wired different. Seven days a week, yeah. 24 7. That was that, crazy. That,
0: that doesn't sound awesome. <laughs>
2: no. I mean, going there. It was great food, yeah. <laughs> but
0: that kind of lifestyle <laughs> no. does not sound awesome to me. Uh, Twitter handle at Bowbounds. Thank you for going to Apple Podcast and searching out of bounds with Bowbounds. And we've got all kinds of things heavy Mississippi State Ole Miss football and NIL and boy, NIL is, is just, it's not going away. You you know, you're either locked in and and you're all in or you're not. And that is the, that's gotta be the number one priority in athletic departments every morning. Um, even before compliance, uh, yeah, but way before facilities, it's no longer facility upgrades. Um, it is, it is talent. You know, it is, I mean, if you don't, retain or go get talent, put your coaches in position to get it, then, um, you know, it's just, it's not going to work. And it's talent accumulation, which is what we talk about all the time with kinetic staffing. And they will definitely find the talent that you need for your law firm, CPA firm, or technology firm, kineticstaffing.com. and find the talent you need to achieve excellence, get the right people in your company, in your firm, on the field, kinetic Staffing.com, kineticstaffing.com. Alan Lang and the crew at Kinetic Staffing will help you with your talent accumulation and your recruiting. Blake?
2: Give me your, from beginning of NIL to this moment grade, A, A through F, give me your grade, letter grade for State and Ole Miss from this point to now in NIL performance, and then give me the grade for where you think they're set up to go moving forward. Two totally different things. Uh,
0: Mississippi State doesn't have the same athletic director or head football coach than they did just a few months ago. Ole Miss does. Uh, Ole Miss's head coach embraced it from the jump, which pushed their administration and leadership to get on board. Plus, they thought they were going to lose him. He was never offered the Auburn job, but he would have been the second choice. Hugh Freeze was the number one choice. He got the offer. He took it. Um. I think that that Keith Carter and Lane, well Lane Kiffin has driven Ole Miss to do some really really good things. Did they reach on some things? Maybe people are still trying to figure out how to manage their budget too. But Ole Miss raised a lot of money. Strong rumors that they borrowed some money too. I wouldn't do that. On the flip side, Mike Leach never embraced uh, nil. And I love Mike Leach. I'm not here to you know that. Hall of Famer, all that, okay? Uh, An incredible football coach, incredible mind. Did an amazing job in Starkville, considering he and Arnett didn't uh, uh, inherit any kind of talent, Uh, especially compared to Lane and some other guys that walked in the last couple of years, Hypo and so on. So, uh, Zach Selman and Zach Arnett fully understand it. Arnett, Jans, and Limonis fully understand it and embrace it. Um, Charlie Winfield's done a great job with the Bulldog Initiative, considering what he's had to to manage. But Mississippi State better get better get going now. Portal opens on Saturday. I mean, it's 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 game on. The show is brought to you by Kessler Prime and the Renaissance. Steve Palazzolo at eight thirty. Oklahoma and Texas to the Southeastern Conference in twenty twenty four. We'll know about scheduling here sooner than later. Who are your uh, who will your Ole Miss Rebels and Mississippi State Bulldogs be playing? Man oh man. What are we gonna do? Uh do away with divisions, play everybody more. No, took way too long to do this, but anyway that's part of collegiate athletics.
2: Um but the move the to bureaucratic divisions, sludge, the move to divisions in the 90s was hit like revolutionary.
0: Oh, it created the SEC Championship game where yeah. Roy Kramer looked at it and said, "We'll create a championship game which will eventually be a massive money maker and it has been." And it it's it's like a playoff game. And you get all these uh, Florida Bama early. We got Stallings and Spurrier out of the gate, and then uh, eventually Peyton Manning, you know, was was in one. And then we've had some some Georgia Bama, and we've had all you know kinds of crazy stuff happen. So Mississippi State's been in the SEC championship game. It's obviously very difficult to get to. Um, Arkansas, South Carolina, they they entered the conference in '92 to make the two divisions work. And neither one has won an SEC championship. It's hard uh, outside of the the monsters of Bama, LSU, Georgia, and Florida. So uh, Auburn's grabbed, you know, what, uh, one or two. And Tennessee won one in 98 and then won the championship with T. Martin. But it, it's hard, man. Spurrier got there at South Carolina too, which is incredible. Gary yeah. Pinkle got there with Missouri twice. Back, Jackie Sherrill got there with Mississippi state Houston Nutt got there with Arkansas. That's, that's not easy, but now it's a new day, you know, with, with Alabama and LSU doing what they're doing. It's just a, it's a totally different ballgame. Can
2: I also argue that while the non-division scheduling will allow Mississippi State and Ole Miss to probably find their way into a 12-team playoff if things line up correctly, mm-hmm. doesn't the non-divisioning actually hurt your chances of making it to Atlanta? Because right now, in theory, in an East-West, you don't need to be better than 13 other teams. You need to be better than five or six other teams. Right. And, and usually, in any given year, you can eliminate like two teams in each division that aren't set up to win, right? I mean, True. obviously, Vanderbilt's always that way, right? But but even in the in the West, you can say, hey, this year's probably not that. Teams you don't year. feel
0: like the the Commodore wave is coming on, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Roll Commodores, uh, dude. But if, if if Ole Miss loses that game, why is
2: that even up for debate? How could they lose that game?
0: Um, if they lose that game that they've been able to play for. Thirty five years. Oh, you or mean lose off the schedule. Right. Like it
2: was just, I thought you meant lose this year, and I'm going, How is that possible?
0: They won't. No. no. I uh, get what you're
2: saying. In fact, Vanderbilt's gotten worse over the years, which is hard to fathom. Um Yeah, if, if they're not part of the either permanent three or if they go to the permanent one plus seven, seven or eight. Right. Yeah, then then all of a sudden you're not getting if it's the one plus seven or one plus eight, it's gonna be Mississippi State all miss, obviously. Right. Which means every other season or every two seasons you're missing Vanderbilt. Yeah, that's no fun. It's a lot of dubs. The mighty
0: Commodores from Nashville. It's a lot of dubs. Who don't believe in scoring. The Out of Bounds Show is brought to you by the Armory. Central Mississippi's premier gun shop is having a spring clearance sale April 14th and 15th, which is Friday and Saturday. And there will be discounts through the store. You don't want to miss the chance to save. Select firearms, optics, ammo, and suppressors will be priced to move. Come see us at the Armory. Lake Harbor and Ridgeland, right in front of Kroger, across from Gateway Tire, the Armory, Central Mississippi's premier gun shop. Uh, let's go with uh well let's stay on SEC. We can do the major league baseball beer at, at nine. Um Oklahoma and Texas will take a a big well they they weren't any good last year, but but they'll they'll take a step back coming into the league because our our league is so much better with so many more top five, 10, 15, 20, and twenty five. Recruiters, even Ole Miss comes in at around twenty. Mississippi State comes in at around twenty-five. South Carolina is around twenty, and that doesn't count all the ones in front, right? And the number one recruiters, Bama, one A is Georgia, um, and then one B is LSU. Um, and then it gets into you know kind of the A and M, Auburn, Tennessee type deal, and even Florida, for that matter. Texas is there. Oklahoma, we'll see if they can stay there. Uh, they turned up the heat in recruiting and and went all in. It, recruiting is not Steve Sarkeesian's issue. It's coaching, or it's really managing. It's, it's odd because Sark is a top 10 offensive coordinator, play caller. His uh, defensive coordinator is a top 10 defensive coordinator, play caller. And his special teams coach is a top ten special teams coach in college football, and yet they can't win. So he doesn't understand the whole, you know, organizational structure, how to manage everybody, and so on. He just can't do it. Now, can he out talent himself? Maybe it's possible. Little Orgeron,
2: yeah, get it, enough talent that it doesn't matter. Absolute less miles. We talk about it all the time. But isn't your problem, like if you're Sarkeesian, and we've seen this with a lot of guys, calling plays as the OC and being a great play caller doesn't mean you're ready to call plays while also managing 90 people and all the decisions, right? That It's a lot harder to be locked in on offense calling plays when you're also trying to manage all the decision-making. I don't
0: think there's any doubt. So
2: you suffer as an offensive play caller and the team suffers as a decision-maker. Now you're suffering in two areas of the game.
0: And there, there's just something out there. I don't know if the strength and conditioning is tough enough. They haven't been a tough program, the Texas Longhorns. They've always had talent. They've always been the number one recruiter in the Big 12. Um, for the most part, Oklahoma has dominated that conference. And other than what we mentioned earlier with Mac Brown and Vince Young. And I, they'll both take a step back. They're probably looking at, you know, two losses per year more. And... But they seem to be adding talent at a rate that, you know, I don't know if they can elite their way out of it because Bama's elite, Georgia's elite, LSU's elite, and A&M's somewhat elite talent. And then we have a bunch of teams that recruit between about 7 and 15, which is still crazy talent.
2: You're entirely basically Basically, uh, t- right now, 12 of your 14 and... Soon to be fourteen of your sixteen will be inside the top twenty-five in talent composite. But to give you an idea, TCU got beat
0: sixty-five to either nothing or seven in the national championship game. Yikes! And so that's all you need to know about the difference between when you're Oklahoma and yeah, you may have, you play play Texas, but then you pull Kansas, then you pull Texas Tech. Then you pull Kansas State, then you pull Iowa State. Well, we we looked in at In the it. SEC, you could pull LSU, Georgia, Mississippi State, Florida and Ole Miss, all of them recruit in the top 25, several recruit in the top 10. Yeah. So, there's a massive gap after
2: Oklahoma and Texas in recruiting. I mean, there's a Big big fall off. Two years ago, we talked about this. Uh, I guess when it was first announced, and Oklahoma's only top twenty five team that they played was Texas. Everyone else they played was outside the top twenty five talent composite. Now I think TCU has moved up a little bit lately, and some you know some, but they're not. It's not even close. Like you said, when when fourteen of the sixteen teams in the league will be inside the top twenty five talent composite, that means every week you're playing someone who's good enough to beat you. Yeah, that's not what Oklahoma and Texas have done for the last hundred years. No, not when you're facing Baylor, Kansas, and Iowa State. No. And it just, the like you said, we it's hard, people laugh about the physicality index, but the problem isn't beating Alabama well, once. Well, then they don't get it. The problem isn't beating Georgia once. The problem isn't beating LSU once. It's beating LSU and then beating Georgia and then beating Alabama three weeks in a row. That's right. That's what's hard to do. Zach Arnett gets to play LSU at South Carolina and Alabama to start
0: off his uh, first year. Welcome to the Southeastern Conference, Coach Arnett. We're live in the Bank Plus studio. Make outside fun again with Mosquito Joe. Jackson.MosquitoJoe.com You need to get your porch, outdoor area, deck, patio sprayed so that you can enjoy grilling out, listen to music, watching college baseball, the NFL Draft, and the Kentucky Derby. Powered by Jackson.MosquitoJoe.com SEC Insider Hit this morning brought to you by Kinetic Staffing. Be your own talent scout, executive search, and long-term staffing leader. Kinetic. Kineticstaffing.com. Long-term staffing solutions. It's all about talent accumulation. Powered by Kinetic Staffing. We talk about recruiting in the NFL draft all the time. Who are you recruiting to your firm or your company? Technology, CPA, CPA. Law firm, kineticstaffing.com. We're live in the Bank Plus studio, Out of Bounds, 105.9 The Zone ESPN. I'm your host, Bo Bounds. Thanks for going to Apple Podcast, searching Out of Bounds with Bo Bounds, going back, hitting all the uh, interviews and the nonsense that we talk about. Heavy SEC football this week. So really getting into scheduling and Oklahoma and Texas joining the league next year. What it looks like for Mississippi State and Ole Miss this year. Totally different schedule for Ole Miss this year. Um, That was a heck of a seven-game stretch last year. This year, both teams will play LSU and Bama in September. Hello, Zach Arnett and Lane Kiffin. All right, we're streaming live on the Out of Bounds radio app. You can watch the show right now on YouTube. Search Out of Bounds Sports. We welcome in Steve Palazzolo. Pro Football Focus, NFL Senior Analyst. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Jeffrey Simmons with the Tennessee Titans out of Mississippi State got paid uh, this week. Steve Palazzolo, was Jeffrey Simmons worth the money?
1: Yeah, I'd say he is. I mean, it's interesting when you're, you know, going through the draft process right now, there's not a ton of really good interior defensive linemen, And that's been oh, I don't know, three or four years running right now. Uh, You know, you have Jalen Carter at the top, maybe a Kaleja Canty from Pittsburgh. But when you look at the market, uh, there were a lot of just, you know, mid-level starters making some pretty good money. And and then you look at Simmons, and he's one of the best, right? You've got uh, Aaron Donald, who's in a world of his own. I think Chris Jones is probably defensive tackle number two. But you have a few of those other guys uh, up in that echelon, right? Jeffrey Simmons being one of them, Quinn and Williams, that, that entire 2019 draft class did have a few names in there, Dexter Lawrence. So yeah, Simmons has been fantastic. Plays nose tackle, uh, can move around the defensive line, can push the pocket, play the run. So yeah, I mean, I, I like Simmons as, uh, maybe the best defensive tackle coming out that year over Ed Oliver, uh, and some of the other guys, uh, or probably like right there with Quinn and Williams. So yeah, I think, uh, he's, he's lived up to the draft type and, and definitely worth the money.
0: Um, do you think Brable would have lost his mind had they not done it considering what they did last year in the NFL draft, shipping off A.J. Brown to the Philadelphia Eagles, Steve?
1: Yeah, yeah possibly. I mean, look, for me, the Titans, it's about where where they're spending their money. Um, I thought when they signed Bud Dupree to play on the edge a couple of years ago, it was a massive overpay for a guy who's not a really good winner one-on-one rushing the passer in um, budget-free spend release you know they spent a lot of money on harold landry they spent a lot of money up and down the roster but not at the right positions or on the, at the right spots a.j brown being one of them so um yeah i think they needed to get simmons back get back in the fold and uh um, certainly happy you've got a, a key defensive piece locked up for the future there
0: crazy uh, and you consider Simmons a top five defensive lineman, right?
1: Yeah, I think he's top five. And, you know, like I said, in any given year, I think there's other guys vying for that top two spot. You know, Chris Jones, Dexter Lawrence, Quinn Williams, Jeffrey Simmons. All those guys are, are, are in that mix. So, yeah, absolutely. Top five, you know, game record type up front.
0: And, and you have A.J. Brown in the top five wide receivers.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Okay. And they both impact. Yeah. This is pretty cool. Um they graduated the same year from high school and AJ Brown and Jeffrey Simmons grew up twenty minutes away from each other, Steve. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Isn't that cool? I thought it was. All right, Steve Palzolo, Pro Football Focus, PFF dot com on the out of bounds show, one oh five nine the zone ESPN. Do you think there's more for Simmons? Like or Or, hey, Bo, he's already top five. What he's doing now is amazing. He he can be a game wrecker. When y'all look at it, do you think he can get even better? Because he's only 25, so he's probably got till 28, 29, a peak performance type deal. How do you see that,
1: Steve? I I think there's a little bit more. Even in our grading, uh, which, you know, play for play, it's It's, production-based, it's giving credit for winning and destroying blocks and finishing plays. I think there is room to grow. I, thought, I think there are definitely games where Simmons uh, does take over. You know, If you remember the Sunday night game a couple of years ago, Titans against the Rams, where he was just creating pressure against Matthew Stafford left and right. Stafford kept throwing the ball to the defense. There are games like that where Simmons can take over, but I think there's more. I think there's definitely more of those games that he's capable of. So, yeah, I think there is room to grow, and at some point over the next few years, I think Aaron Donald's probably going to retire. And then it's going to be a battle between Chris Jones and Simmons and those other guys to say, okay, who's, who's now the top defensive lineman, top interior defensive lineman in the league. Now that Aaron Donald is moved we've gone.
0: But you like Jones better than Simmons by a whisker, right?
1: Yeah, I think Jones is a little better. I think uh pass rush wise, he's just been more consistent. Uh, Jones is, uh, you know, part of its usage, you know, the chiefs will move Chris Jones off to the edge a little bit. So he'll win against tackles and, just create a little bit more versatility for that defensive line. So, yeah, I think Jones – and I think Jones has more of those games, like I was just talking about, where uh, it's really tough for a defensive tackle to take over a game unless you are at that high level. And I think Chris Jones just has has a few more of those games, right, where he uh, just takes over and you look back and say he had 10 or 11 pressures and, you know, the offense just couldn't function because he was creating havoc in the backfield.
0: Steve Palazzolo, NFL Insider. Talking Jeffrey Simmons, Chris Jones, AJ Brown, all grew up within an hour of each other. It's pretty crazy. All in the top five at their position. And
1: uh, who's see, next? Who's the next great defensive tackle coming out of your area?
0: Um, Travion Williams. He's a sophomore right. at Mississippi State. He's got a chance to be. Now, I don't want to put I don't want to put Simmons, Jones, Fletcher Cox <laughs> expectations on him. But, uh, and who knows what Kim Dietschie would have been had he had his head on straight, but he wasn't from this area. He's from Atlanta area and, and went to Ole Miss. But, dude, Travion Williams is a sophomore, and 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 he's he could be big time for, for MSU. Steve is on the Farm Bureau Insurance guest line. Blake
2: Mania, what's up? Yeah, Steve, you mentioned something just a second ago talking about the Titans, and you said it's not that they're spending money. It's where they're spending money. So this is a two-part question. Buckle up. Uh, one is, where <laughs> is the right place? to Obviously, quarterback, if the quarterback makes sense. But there's also an argument that after yep. a certain number, you don't pay the quarterback, right? If he's not top X number, UB, you don't pay him. So where is the right place to spend money? And then by proxy of that, who are the, a couple of the franchises in the league who you think over the last four to five years have spent the money in the right place? Ooh, yeah. And are doing it the right way, that
1: even is- even if they're not winning the Super Bowl, you know, right? That that is a good two part question. So I would say uh, part of it's positionally, and part of it is which players I think the Titans spent. Um, you guys have heard me talk so much about the impact of wide receiver, and it's not. It sounds like fantasy football, right? Like, get get these three awesome receivers on paper that have great names and all that stuff. But I, I believe that's the way to win. I, I believe that is the way to create offense in today's NFL. We were just um, on our podcast this week talking about Kurt Warner for a second, and I was like, wait. Uh, oh, because uh, one of our guys made a comparison to Isaac Bruce. And I was like, you know, Kurt Warner was awesome, but he did step in to Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt and as Hakeem and the squad, like they had these really good receivers, right? And that helped elevate Kurt Warner back in the early 2000s. And then Warner goes to the Cardinals and he has Larry Fitzgerald and Anquan Bolden. And you know, that, that stuff matters, right? It's, it's always mattered in the NFL. So long story short, spend on receiver um, and not just any old receivers. If you do have an impact wide receiver one, like an A.J. Brown, you can't let him out of the building. Those guys are really tough to find. Uh, that's why A.J. Brown had a hot trade, uh, you know, trade market. That's why Tyree Hill had a hot trade market. So don't let those guys leave the building, right? I would have loved to see the money for the Titans spent on A.J. Brown rather than the two edge defenders that they got. So I think edge defenders, it's okay to pay them. Those are the guys that typically get paid, those pass rushers. I just think the Titans in particular paid the wrong guys, guys like Bud Dupree, Harold Landry, who are not dominant pass rushers. They're not guys who win one-on-one consistently. So the other thing I'll say, you know, Spending-wise, you know, I think I, I think the defensive backfield is underrated. Sometimes you don't want to go crazy at corner because it's a volatile position. But again, I think there's a lot of money spent on the defensive line when it's the it's the back seven that might make a bigger impact as far as uh, you know as far as team building goes. Um, and you have to you have to spend in the trenches. You have to find this balance of spending at on offensive line with. Uh, you know, paying a couple guys that you know are known commodities, and then developing through the draft. So I th- I think the Eagles have done a great job of that. You know, I think a lot of what the Eagles did last year was was really sharp. As far as you know, that's why they made their Super Bowl run. They just found value across the board positionally. I think the I think the Ravens do a lot of good things. Other than maybe keeping Lamar Jackson in the building, everything else the Ravens have done. I think is uh, is pretty uh, is pretty sharp. And, and look, there's no perfect teams with this, right? Maybe the Ravens overpaid for a linebacker and uh, you know Roquan Smith. That's all possible as well. So nothing's perfect, but you know I think there's a few teams that kind of stick to their stick to their guns, so to speak, and you know spend their spend the money in the right places for the most part.
0: As Steve Palazzolo, NFL senior analyst, Pro Football Focus, they crunch all the numbers. They're numbers nerds, which is a good thing. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line, talking the game we love. And let's go to back to A.J. Brown. Over the next two to three years, could A.J. Brown be the number one receiver in the NFL?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I think any given year, I think it's going to be tough with Justin Jefferson. I think just how good Jefferson has become at, at pretty much everything. We're looking at, I think Jefferson's kind of jumped into what Devontae Adams has been in his prime, and Jefferson's in the league. But I think as far as impact goes, you know, look, we we spend so much time talking about the quarterback, right? And we say, hey, the quarterback's going to be good or he's going to be great or whatever. And then the second part of the question is, hey, the the quarterback needs help, right? you got to give him help, right? And A.J. Brown has such a strong case for the help that he has given his quarterbacks, right? So uh, Ryan Tannehill was, you know, a slightly above-average starter for years in Miami. And he was different in Tennessee. He was probably a top 10 or 12 quarterback. He was even higher if you just look at efficiency numbers. Why was that? Was it the run game? Was it Derrick Henry? Well, I would say A.J. Brown was the biggest part of that. I think he was the biggest part of Ryan Tannehill's success. And then A.J. Brown goes to Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts has a year three breakout. And maybe that would have happened without A.J. Brown. But it's a pretty easy A.B. analysis, right? Jalen Hurts was an okay quarterback before AJ Brown got there, and then efficiency-wise, he's you know Jalen Hurts is top five, and I think you give Jalen Hurts X amount of credit, but I think you see what Brown brought to the table uh, as far as even the games where he only caught two or three passes, other things are opened up, and again, I think that's where the the alpha wide receiver one really has his impact. So I think AJ Brown has a taste, much like a Tyreek Hill. Uh, As far as biggest impact receiver in the NFL, if we say best, I don't know. Maybe he can get there. Uh, Probably needs a little bit more volume, polish some things off, have the stats look a little bit prettier to make that case. But I think A.J. Brown's right up there, again, as far as biggest impact receiver in the NFL. All
0: right, we'll switch gears. Steve Palazzolo on the Out of Bounds Show, ESPN 105.9 The Zone, brought to you by Independent Roofing Systems, the number one commercial industrial roofing company in Mississippi. So we I'm going to put you on the clock as a general manager and you are on the clock with the Carolina Panthers number 1 pick in Kansas City in the NFL draft and knowing what they need and what where they're going who who would Steve Palazzolo pick
1: Oh for the Panthers I'd go Bryce Young I feel best about him in the class, you know. I'd, even though I'd, I'd get to the interview with Bryce and be like, "Man, I'm a foot taller than you." That's crazy. <laughs> um, and so you, we joke, but it's funny. Like when I was at the Super Bowl and uh, Carson Palmer was walking around there, and Ryan Leaf was walking around over on Radio Row, and they're all six five, two thirty, two forty, perfect quarterback build, and. You can almost picture NFL team as being like, you know, having those guys in for an interview. Like Will Levis is going to come in for an interview, and they're going to interview Bryce Young and say, man, one of you actually looks like a quarterback, you know, size-wise. But Bryce Young, I think, is the best QB, uh, despite the height thing. I I just think his natural playmaking and feel and ability to throw the ball with velocity, accuracy, timing, I think it's the best in the class. I think he can offset some of the height stuff. I don't feel as good about maybe Bryce Young's ceiling. Maybe his ceiling isn't as high as other, you know, number one overall quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence's and Joe Burrows and all that. But uh, I think Bryce Young's the the top guy in the class, and the Panthers have to find somebody. So I I think it should be Bryce Young.
0: All right, then Houston Texans, they take a QB. Who? Uh,
1: I think for them, I would go C.J. Stroud i i think i in some cases i would take anthony richardson i I, you know with the caveat that you're going to build your whole offense differently around richardson i think stroud can run uh, the texans offense really well old former PFFer bobby slowick is their new offensive coordinator so he's my my old co-worker now calling the plays over in houston i think i think stroud is probably the best fit there um i don't love stroud i I see him as a guy though that you can win with on a first contract and you know again if he develops well you'd You might be in that spot where it's like, do we really want to pay him? Do we really want, you know, we'll see. Um, But I think for at least that first four or five years, you're going to get good value on Stroud, and he'll run that offense effectively. He's really accurate, and I think he's the best fit for the
0: Texans. Steve Palazzolo talking NFL draft. Pick three. Who will trade up and grab Arizona's pick at number three, Steve?
1: There's a lot of smoke around the Titans coming all the way up from 11. I, I wouldn't hate that. You know, I think the Titans are in this reset type of mode. The other option is, you know, wait till next year. I think the I think the Colts could just trade up one, but it, there's not a lot of smoke about the uh, the Colts. You know, really needing a quarterback. I thought Jim Irsay was going to come into this offseason and say, and that's it. We're going to get number one. Got to get a QB. I'm sick of this. But they've sat. You know, they've sat at number four, and so I think the Titans. In the Colts were the two teams, even though the Colts are at four, that would be um, considering, you know, getting up to three. I think if the Cardinals have to stay pat, I think Will Anderson from Alabama should be the guy. But I, I'd keep an eye on the Titans at number eleven, perhaps uh, coming all the way up to number three.
0: Okay, they're already right. so the Titans are already out on Malik Willis.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I, I view quarterbacks differently. I don't even think it's uh, are you in or are you out. I think it's just bring them all in. You know, and, and figure it out. You can, I mean, here, what about this, right? If the Titans did come up to number three and took Anthony Richardson, and then Malik Willis is your backup going forward. Now, I mean, just like the Ravens built an offense around Lamar Jackson, and when he went down, you have a backup that can run that offense. That's what Tennessee has, right? And you put Anthony Richardson into the backfield with Derrick Henry and the ability to run the ball, and all of that misdirection and all of that deception creates open throws. Richardson, which he's going to need, right? You, do, you don't want him throwing tight window throws. Uh, that that's intriguing. So I don't know if they're out on Malik Willis, but he was a he was a third rounder, and that means you still probably need a quarterback going forward, especially right. with Ryan Tannehill heading into his last season.
0: Okay, fair enough, and he's cheap, so you know you you're not paying uh, Malik Willis any money. I get it. Okay, uh, that that Tennessee Titans moving up, Blake is is interesting that that Steve just dropped on us. Um. Okay. Out of bounds. ESPN. 105.9 The zone. Do you think Stetson Bennett the fourth will be drafted in the sixth or seventh round or somewhere, Steve?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe even fourth. Hopper, fifth? But, you know, it seems like it could be fourth or fifth. It, quarterback's weird, right? Because there's only so many backup jobs around the NFL. So there's like a tipping point for how many guys could get drafted. But I think Stetson Bennett gets drafted. I think. I think when when scouts looked at him. They expected, okay, short guy, no tools, surrounded by superstars. He's undraftable, right? He's just a product of the system. But when you actually watch stephen Bennett, his velocity is better than people probably expected, right? Because nobody expects a guy that's 5'10 to zip it around. But he's got he's got good arm. He's got uh, good speed. You know, I ran away from Auburn on that one play, a 60-something yarder, you know, hit, hit like 22 miles an hour on that play. He's fast, even though he didn't run fast uh, at the combine. So I think he's got better tools than people expected. Mm. And then you go back and say, okay, they won. And, you know, he, he went head-to-head with Stroud in that Ohio State game and all that stuff. So I think, I think Seth and Bennett surprised scouts or just evaluators generally when they watch the film. And, yeah, he'll get, he'll get drafted maybe as early as before.
0: Okay. What if Hendon what if Hooker is available when the New Orleans Saints pick in the first round?
1: Would you? I, I I think I think their investment in Derek Carr would keep them from from drafting a quarterback. You guys, you guys know me. I would just draft all the quarterbacks, and <laughs> you know, just that, that's how you do it, right? If I'd, I'd have four on my roster, even though the NFL hates doing that, right? right. Um, I love you. I would do that. I, I think this. Thank you, right? I mean, you never know. You never know when one of them's going to become Brock Birdie, and you're going to have them for you know crazy cheap for four years. So I would say. I don't think the Saints would do that. They have so many other holes. I think they're going to look defensive line. There's a whole slew of defensive linemen that are probably valuable there, uh, late in the first. So I think that's probably where the Saints go. Um, so I, I don't think they would go there just because of that that multi-year investment in Derek Carr.
0: So are you so this Brock Purdy surgery? I mean, that was a bad injury, but but I guess let's say everything lines up and he comes back. Or it sounds like you're. You're sold on Brock Purdy being able to play at a pretty damn high level in the NFL after what you were able to see with the San Francisco 49ers this year?
1: I'm I'm sold on he can run that offense, uh, maybe add even more value, value than Jimmy Garoppolo and do it on the cheap. That's what I'm sold on. That Brock, you know, again, Okay, got I'm it. Not, I'm not going out of my way to give Brock Purdy $40 million, probably. Um, who knows, four years from now. But as of right now, he's crazy cheap. That means the Niners can spend their money on Nick Bosa, maybe keep Brandon Ayuk, build this juggernaut around him. That's what I'm looking at for the next three years. Brock Purdy could easily run my offense, and we could we could probably win a Super Bowl, even though he's not the best quarterback in the league. So that's that's all I'm doing for the
0: Niners. So the fact that Cal Shanahan can do it with three different quarterbacks does that make him the best offensive mind in the league?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's one of the cheat coach. I mean, he's not the best. I don't think Andy Reid deserves the credit, right? I think Andy Reid has always had success, no matter which type of quarterback you give him, from Donovan McNabb to Alex Smith to, of course, Mahomes. But I think Andy Reid's up there, of course. Kyle Shanahan is up there. And there's look, when you evaluate coaches in the NFL, there's, there's only three or four that consistently make everybody better, uh, make their offense better. And Shanahan is probably the best. At taking guys from, like I say, a PFF grading standpoint, we put a we put an average grade on someone, and their offense is top five in efficiency. Right? It's usually the quarterback is the driver, but Shanahan has a history of of his system being the driver of good offense. So, not not coaches do that in one year stints and two year stints here and there, but nobody's done it as long as Kyle Shanahan. So I think yeah, wow. him and Andy Reid. Uh, throw your buddy Sean Payton in there maybe, but uh, maybe. maybe what he does with Russ. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's had Drew Brees for most of the time. Yeah, he but little Teddy Bridgewater, he won little with T-Town. Bridgewater and, and that
0: Fox. other dude. I can't rem- remember I who it was.
1: example, I'm just saying, we're going to get more evidence this year. If he, if he turns Russ around, you throw Sean Payton back into that conversation. I'm just saying, Mike Shanahan, I mean, Kyle Shanahan and Mike Shanahan, really. But they've done it with Matt Schaub and RG3 and Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan and hey, Jimmy G and Brock Purdy. It's just like this revolving door of, Quarterbacks that are, yeah, other than that, where they elevated them, basically. And man. Matt Ryan's been the best
0: one the Shanahan has and won an MVP. So. Yeah. I wish Dak Prescott had, had Kyle Shanahan. Um, be good and have a good weekend, man. Thank you, buddy. Yeah.
1: Thanks, guys. I always appreciate
0: it. Steve Palzolo, Pro Football Focus, PFF.com. He joined us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Bundle your car and home and save with your Farm Bureau Insurance Guest agent Zach Selman at 930.